Hey, I want to welcome you to the Martin McLean Podcast. This is episode seven. Today's topic, we better start speaking out and we better start speaking up. We are in a mess in this country. I mean, it, things are, are not good. And I, I don't think you need me to tell you that. But one thing that has to start to happen is that believers, Christians, followers of Christ, need to start speaking up on moral issues. It's just that simple. Uh, there is a theory of communication. It's called the spiral of silence. And basically in this theory, uh, when someone perceives that their point of view is not in the majority, then they don't say anything. They just keep quiet because they don't want to be ostracized from the group. And I think that's part of what's happening in evangelical circles in America. I mean, you've, you've seen the footage of wildlife out in the Serengeti when the one member of the pack gets attacked and the lions are eating the zebra and all the other zebras are just standing around looking. And you know what's going through their mind. They're thinking, boy, I sure am glad that's not me. And what I think happens sometimes in our country, we see what happens when someone speaks out, when someone speaks up, and we see the backlash that they experience. And a lot of times we just let them flail in the wind and, and we see what happens to them. And then we step back and say, boy, I sure am glad that was not me. Let me tell you something. Our culture desperately needs believers to step up and step out and speak up. We need to give a witness. We need to simply say, what the Bible says. Now, there's a recent article that came out, and it talks about a couple of pastors, pretty well-known pastors. I'm not going to mention their name. One's in New York and one's in Los Angeles. And when they're asked about topics like abortion or same-sex marriage or the LGBTQ community, what they think about uh, homosexuality, they really don't give an answer. I mean, they'll say stuff like, well, we don't give answers. We have conversations or we, we give responses. And they, they will obfuscate. They, they're reticent. They will not give a clear definition. They will not clearly state, here's what the Bible says. Now, I've got a problem with that. And I know sometimes you have to have strategy. You have to have strategy according to your ministry context. And I understand when you're in a metropolitan area that, so to speak, you're in the belly of the beast. And I, I can understand that. But you still have to give an answer. When Katie Couric asks you, does your church take a view on moral issues? And you won't say. And then you'll give answers like, well, Jesus never talked about moral issues. Or Jesus never addressed the issue of homosexuality. Where scripture is replete with commentary on homosexuality and what God thinks about that. And, and there's a reason why God says it's wrong. There's a reason. And God loves us and God has designed us with a purpose and, and we have a function. And, and when we go against that function and that purpose, the way God has designed us to, to live, there are consequences. Things don't work right. And as far as human sexuality goes, you know, it's just not a physical act. There's something deeper than that. There's something 
deeper within people that happens. And, and when you just relegate it to some type of physical act, you don't really know the extent of what you're talking about. And so what needs to happen, you know, when you say we got to have a certain strategy to reach people, okay, I understand you different places. I mean, if you're 10 miles in the country or if you're in the metropolitan area, you have different strategies, different methodology. That's fine. And you can communicate with a different style. That's great. But you still need to say, here's what the Bible says. When somebody asks you a point-blank question about human sexuality, you need to be able to say, well, you know, hey, my personal opinion doesn't amount to a hill of beans, but I can tell you what the Bible says. Here's what God says in his word. And people need to know that. As a, as a matter of fact, we have a responsibility. That's part of being salt and light. And what needs to happen in our culture, what needs to happen in our day-to-day -day is that believers need to start simply saying, here's what the Bible says. Don't be ashamed of it. God never needs us to apologize for his word. And when somebody says, you know, when they start saying, well, here's what the Bible says, and they start apologizing for it, I don't think that's what God really wants us to do. So if you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, you need to start speaking up and speaking out. Now, you speak up and you speak out with love, with kindness. That's how we do it. But people have wrong systems of belief. And there are consequences for these wrong systems of belief. I mean, there are consequences here on this earth. But there are also eternal consequences. And there is, there is a heaven and a hell. And if you really believe that, then we'll say, you know what? We're playing for keeps. This life is for keeps. And we need to remember that. And so when when we are given the opportunity to speak truth and we're asked a question and somebody wants to know what does your church believe about abortion or what does your church believe about human sexuality, we need to be able to say, here's what the Bible says. Now, I know the whole thing about abortion and uh, same-sex marriage. It was always associated, well, these are issues of the religious right. Well, why were they issues of the religious right? Because they're very important. They are extremely important. Take, for instance, abortion. Human life is of infinite worth. Why? Because we have been created in the image of God. We bear God's image. That's why we believe that human life is worth protecting. And here's the deal. With, with all this stuff going around, you know, say you're, you're in a church in New York and, and you want to uh, say, hey, we, we need to fight racism. And I... Uh, racism's wrong. And if you have a biblical point of view, a biblical mindset, you'll understand, hey, we've all been created in the image of God and we all have this sin problem and we all have to answer to God one day. We need to be forgiven. We need to accept Christ. Then you start looking at people. Are they saved or are they lost? Not are they of this ethnicity or this race? Are they saved or are they lost? And you start seeing people as individuals. And that that becomes what is important. But if you want to fight, say, New York City, did you know thousands more black babies are aborted in New York City than are born alive? You have more black babies aborted than are born alive in New York City. As a matter of fact, you want to deal with racism, let's deal with Planned Parenthood. The black population in the United States of America is around 13%. 
36% of the abortions are on black mothers. Black babies are being aborted. 36% of all abortions are black babies. That is wrong. That's something that needs to be addressed. That's something that people need to say, you know what? That cannot stand. And so we need to, you want to look at a racist organization when it comes to really looking at stuff like that? That would be Planned Parenthood. Abortion's wrong. It takes a life. Now, for people who have had abortions, God loves you. God cares for you. There is forgiveness. Okay? There's, there's forgiveness. We've, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what Scripture says. And I, I want you to know, you know, what's happened has happened. Nothing you can do about something that's already happened. But that's why some of the strongest advocates of the pro-life movement sometimes are women who have had abortions because they realize, boy, I made a terrible, terrible mistake. And now their, their heart's desires, I don't want other people to make the mistake I made. And they are adamant. And they are just very active in the pro-life movement. So when you think, well, I won't mention abortion because it's associated with the religious right. No, it's a, it's a right and wrong issue. It doesn't matter who it's associated with. That's an issue that should be addressed. And I want to ask you, if you're in a church where no one ever mentions abortion, where it's never addresses an ill of society, then you, you may want to ask your pastor, hey, we, could you really let us hear a message that talks about the sanctity of life? Because there are people in that congregation who one day may make a decision. And they may remember what they heard in church about the sanctity of life. And it may help them to make that right decision. But what about human sexuality? So what about uh, same-sex marriage, homosexuality, LGBTQ community? So what's, what's the big deal? Well, God has designed sex to be between a man and a woman within the confines of marriage. That's his protective place for that to take place. Now, when it's done outside of that context, be it heterosexual sex outside of marriage or, or homosexual sex, those things are wrong. Those things are wrong. There's a protection that takes place. And, and that is why, you know, God has, has made sex like he's made it. It's between a man and a woman. If you want to really want to get a, a good... Um, view of what the Bible really says about human sexuality, about the context of marriage. Uh, look up the Nashville Statement. It was done a few years ago by leading evangelicals. Obviously, it's called the Nashville Statement because they crafted it in Nashville, Tennessee. But let me read you Article 1. Here's what it says. We affirm that God has designed marriage to be a covenantal, sexual, procreative, lifelong union of one man and one woman as husband and wife, and is meant to signify the covenant of love between Christ and his bride, the church. We deny that God has designed my marriage to be a homosexual, polygamous, or polyamorous relationship. We also deny that marriage is a mere human contract rather than a covenant, a covenant made before God. Article 2 says, We affirm that, God revealed, that God's revealed will for all people is chastity, outside of marriage and fidelity 
within marriage. We deny that any affection, desires, or commitments ever justify sexual intercourse before or outside of marriage, nor do they justify any form of sexual immorality. So there's you know, several articles, uh, probably over 14 articles, 14 or so articles in this Nashville statement. I would challenge you to download it, look at it. That gives you a really, really good idea of what the Bible says about human sexuality. But if you are ever asked what the Bible says about human sexuality, what the Bible says about uh, LGBTQ, just simply say, here's what the Bible says. Let you know, know the scripture. And you cannot, you cannot justify sex outside of marriage and you cannot justify homosexual behavior. It, it's sin. And if you really love someone, you got to understand, for a Christian to not address that issue, I think it's dereliction of duty in some ways. Because you have people all in these congregations who are struggling with, human, with, with sexuality. They're struggling with sexual issues. You know, they're hearing all kinds of messages from the world. Matter of fact, even Disney has their first gay main character in this thing they did called Out. There's also an organization called Gay Straight Lesbian Education Network. They seek to put education materials out for, for kids. You have five states that now require mandatory LGBTQ history curriculum. So there is, there is teaching on an educational level. There, there's influence from Hollywood. People are being influenced in human sexuality by Hollywood, by education. Why in the world does the church think that they cannot address sexual issues? Why in the world, if Disney's going to address it, if Hollywood's going to address it and require a certain quota of uh, LGBTQ characters. If it's going to start being promoted in certain aspects of curriculum in schools, then why in the world would there be pastors that say, we don't address that issue? We don't address moral issues. Jesus never spoke on homosexuality, so we're not going to ever speak on homosexuality. That's some of that red-letter Christian stuff. And I don't go for that. Now, what a red-letter Christian says Hey, we're just going to focus on the words of Jesus. Forget about the epistles. Forget about Paul. Forget about Peter. Forget about anything else in Scripture. If if we're not if it's not um, if if it's not in the Gospels, and if Jesus didn't say it, then it must not be uh, that important. Now, that's what the red letter Christians would say, and I kind of like what uh, there's a pastor. His name's Kevin DeYoung. Here's what he said in response to the the way the red-letter Christians pit the Gospels against the epistles, the words of Jesus against the words of the apostles. Here's how he's, he puts it. An evangelical, quote, an, an evangelical understanding of inspiration, speaking of inspiration of Scripture, does not allow us to prize instruction in the Gospel more than instruction elsewhere in Scripture. If we read about homosexuality from the pen of Paul in Romans, it has no less, less weight... More relevance than if we read it from the lips of Jesus in Matthew. So here's what it basically means. Red letter Christians elevate Jesus's words above the rest of scripture. In some way, they pit the words of Jesus in the gospel against the doctrine laid out by Paul in the epistles. Orthodox evangelical biblical interpretation does not do this. 
All Scripture is viewed as being inspired by God and as such carries the same weight. Red-letter Christians create a tension that is foreign to the historical evangelical approach to Bible interpretation. Now, issues need to be addressed. If you're in a church and your pastor does not address human sexuality, you have to ask yourself, what influence is this having upon my kids? What influence is it having upon my teenager? Does it communicate, you know, the issue of sexuality is really not that important because the church doesn't ever say anything about it? Does it say, you know, homosexuality is really not that big of an issue because the church never addresses it? The pastor never says anything about it. Well, I they hear about it at school. They hear about it social media. They hear about it from Hollywood, but they won't hear about it at church. That is about as one-sided as it gets. The church needs to learn to speak out, speak up. We do it with kindness. We do it with love because, man, people are separated from God. If somebody's doing something and you know what God says in his word about it, and you know it's bringing harm to that person, they may not realize it, but it is. And you know that, that that is putting that person at odds with God? Then the most loving thing to do is to speak up, speak out, say something. Don't just not say anything. Christians have to learn to speak up, speak out. Now, this stuff is getting, this stuff is getting crazier and crazier because you know what? It doesn't just stop at homosexuality, same-sex marriage. Now we're getting all kinds of distortions out there. The new Calvin Klein model that's in Times Square, I think, if I read correctly, he, he is a trans-queer lesbian. And, you know, I read that and I thought, okay, Calvin Klein has got this guy picture up in Times Square. And he's obviously promoting, he's a guy in women's clothes, but he's a, they call him a trans-queer lesbian. I'm thinking, well, okay, is he is he a man that's dressing with as a woman, and as a woman he likes women? I, I don't know. I I almost think sometimes when they start doing all this terminology, I, I, I literally I think I need a scorecard or a chart or something because I can't tell what they mean by what or if what gender is what and how it operates and yeah, it gets very very confusing. As a matter of fact. Uh, perhaps you heard about Haley Berry recently. She was going, thinking about playing a role of a transgender man, which means playing the role, if I know that, if I understand this correctly, of a woman who is acting like a man. And she had to come out and apologize for that because she's a cisgender woman, which means that she lives according to the gender that she was assigned at birth. And she was, uh, it was an aggression for her to tried to play a part that she could not identify with. So she had to apologize. What about J.K. Rowling and uh, Rowling and her, uh, you know, the author of the Harry Potter stuff? I'm not a Harry Potter fan, okay? I did ride the ride at Universal. It was a good ride, but I'm not a Harry Potter fan. But J.K. Rowling, she's gotten a bunch of, you know, hot water recently. The reason why she's gotten hot water is because she made a comment about the transgender 
women who are men dressed up like women or men who identify as women going into women's bathrooms, and it can be a dangerous situation for cisgender women, for women who are really, really women. And people took offense to that. Man, why are you saying that about the transgender women? And they got kind of offensive about that. Then she made a comment because of somebody put something out about people who menstruate. And, you know, she kind of basically said that women are the, win are the ones that menstruate. It's not people who menstruate, it's women who menstruate. And then they got really offensive because they're offended if you say only women menstruate. You know, I think about that, I think, what in the world are they talking about? That it's not, not, that it's not just women who menstruate. I'm thinking, I'm 53 years old. I've never, to my knowledge, I've never menstruated a day in my life. And yet they're saying that women aren't the only ones who menstruate. And, and it's like, what in the world are you trying to communicate with all this stuff? I can't keep it straight. It's getting, it's getting more and more complicated. And as a matter of fact, you know, you have these guys. Let me just say, Sports Illustrated. I'm not a fan of Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit stuff because it's just it's inappropriate. Okay, but now they got a man. They call it a transgender woman, but it's a man uh, in a bikini. Basically, that's the new thing for Sports Illustrated. I'm thinking, Sports Illustrated, what is going on in this world? What is, what is happening? There's a lot of people that, that aren't cool with that, that think, what do you take us for? You know, like I say, I'm not a fan of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. But, you know, it's about when, when Bruce Jenner, I remember in 76, he won the decap line on the cover, you know, on the box of Wheaties. Supposedly the greatest athlete in the world at that time. And now he's he wants to be known as Caitlin. I still don't understand that. And and giving him the courage of word, whatever ESPN gave him, I'm thinking, man, there's an agenda going on here. This stuff is being pushed, and fewer and fewer people are saying anything about it. And this stuff is getting crazier and crazier. As a matter of fact, with JK Rowling and, and the and People who start speaking out against the transgender women, the, the men who want to be women and dress like women, you know, and they want to compete in the sports. And now even you see the high school sports where these guys are out running these girls and they're, they're wrestling the girls and beating them and playing lacrosse and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, that's a biological male. What's he doing out there competing against somebody's daughter? Now, I'm going to tell you this. On a personal level, if I'm somewhere and my wife goes into the bathroom and a big man goes in the bathroom after she goes in the bathroom, I go in that bathroom. I've got a problem with that. And you can say I'm transphobic or, or whatever, but I've got a problem with that. That I, I do, and I, I'm going to tell you, I will have a problem with that. This world's getting, it's just turning upside down. As a matter of fact, I've often thought, I wonder how these feminist women feel about men taking over their sports. How these feminist women feel about men taking over their modeling. I mean, they're it's like the men are now taking over the women's world because these men are identifying as women and, and they're taking over. And so when, when a feminist woman has a problem with a trans woman, a man who's dressing like a woman, 
when a feminist woman has a problem with that and starts speaking out against that, they've got a term that they're being called now. They're called trans-exclusionary radical feminist. They're called TERFs. So feminists who have a problem with men dressing like women and women and wanting to become women or wanting to act like women and want to be included as a woman, the feminists who have a problem with that, now they're called TERFs. And, and they're looked at now as the bad guys. And here's one of the things that's developing with all this stuff that's coming about. And I, I saw a little meme about this. Is that all of a sudden liberals are being intimidated by leftists. I, I always thought about liberals. I always thought, you know, they may like Castro and some of them may have liked the Sandinistas. Che Guevara, those type folks, but I'm thinking, you know, if you really lived in the country these people run, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have the, the freedoms that you have in America as a liberal. I, I couldn't understand why it was that they liked some of these people because I'm like, they're not going to give you that type of freedom if you were in their, if you lived in their world, in their country, you're not going to have those freedoms. And now all of a sudden we see this actually playing out as certain liberals are now being intimidated by leftists. It's amazing how all this is, uh, is just unraveling. That's why if there's ever been a time for Christians to speak up and speak out, it's now. It's now. I believe in the next three or four months, we're going to see things that are crazy. I believe that there's the potential for us to see some craziness in the next three or four months. I think Christians, believers, followers of Christ, have to learn how to articulate what Scripture says. Believers need to be bold, courageous. Now, I know sometimes that when people don't speak up on moral issues, I know there's fear. I know there's fear. There's fear involved. And, and it may be coaxed within the confines of a strategy, but I know there's fear involved. Nobody likes to be called names. Nobody likes to be excluded. Nobody likes to be canceled. And, and you know, you may say, well, Marty, you really don't know what that's like when you have all these people come against you. Yes, I do. Remember, I did the Norton documentary. And I will tell you, when I did that Norden documentary, and I debated liberal Danish priests in Copenhagen, Denmark, over the issue of same-sex marriage. I de debated a secular humanist in Jönköping, Sweden, on evolution, the origin of life, the origin of existence itself. And then after that aired, to be featured on Atheist Digest, YouTube channel to be the subject of a some type of secular talk show guy. I can't even remember the guy's name to have all the, these I literally thousands of comments made on different sites and, and receive emails from people. Let me tell you something. When a European atheist is mad at you, they get kind of nasty. 
Now, I will say there's, there was this one guy who used to email me. He called me a certain name, and it was inappropriate, but it was kind of funny, you know, and I thought, boy, kind of a creative guy there, but uh, inappropriate, but you are kind of funny. And so, you know, I know what it's like, and, and it's really not any fun if, if you're not prepared for it, if you don't know how to take it. And the first time it happens is, you know, it kind of makes you, kind of hurts your feelings a little bit. I mean, it does. It kind of hurts your feelings a little bit. It kind of makes you feel a little bit down in the dumps. But then you have to realize, wait, now, what am I catching flack over? Did I try to be kind? Yes. Did I try to say the right thing according to Scripture? Yes. Well, then it's going to be okay. I mean, Jesus himself said, you better be careful when everybody speaks well of you. But he says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for what? For righteousness sake. Blessed are you. Are you willing to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? Are you, are you willing to take it on the chin because you've said something that's right? Or are you willing to go in that spiral of silence? I mean, just think about something going down the drain. You know how that stuff looks when it goes down the drain, that spiral, little whirlpool. We're going to be quiet. We're going to go down the drain. And I think in America, if we don't learn how to speak up and speak out, we're going to go down the drain. I have never seen things like I've seen them the last several months. I never thought I would really, you know, you know, to be honest, I didn't think I'd see some of this stuff ever happen in my lifetime. And it happened quickly. It happened quickly. And you see some things being moved around and you think, my goodness, this thing could, could go south real quick. We don't want that to happen. I don't know about you, but uh, if, I, if I'm going down the drain, I'm going to be trying as hard as I can to, to swim up. I think God wants us to be salt and light. I, I don't think he wants us to fold up the tent. Man, what a wonderful time to be alive. What an exciting time to be alive. I mean, this is, this is an exciting, when you really look at it from, from a biblical perspective, it's an exciting time to be alive. To, to be able to stand for truth, to be able to stand for righteousness, to be able to speak the name of Jesus and share the gospel. Because, see, if you look at prophecy, we see that what's unfolding in front of us, it's amazing. I mean, we, we see prophecy like this stuff is, is happening. We can see how it, the big boom could go. And we just think, my goodness. Now, I want to I encourage you. If you're a believer, why don't you be courageous for the right stuff? If you want to have some strategy, why don't you have the right kind of strategy? If your strategy means that you're not going to speak on moral issues, if your strategy means when you're asked point blank by a non-believer about what the Bible says about a moral issue and you will not give the answer, chances are your, your strategy stinks. Chances are you've got the wrong strategy. Because if you're asked by, by an unbeliever on a moral issue, and you cannot give a clear biblical answer, it's not because you don't know the answer. It's because you don't want to give the answer. Something's wrong with that strategy. Now, I understand that people have strategy, and I understand 
They, they may be well-intentioned, but you can be well-intentioned and misguided. And when you're in positions of leadership and positions of influence, being misguided, if you're the captain of a ship, there's a lot of people on that ship. And my goodness, we need to have the ship going in the right direction. So what's your world? What area do you have influence in? Doesn't mean you've got to act crazy, but just when the opportunity presents itself, when the occasions arise and you can, you can be an influence for the kingdom, do not ever be ashamed of the name of Jesus. And do not ever be afraid to just simply say, here's what the Bible says. That's all you got to do. It's not like you're making it up. It's not like it's your your own personal system of morality. Say, well, well, here's what the Bible says. And there's one guy that used to be on Larry King all the time, a, a Christian leader. I won't mention his name, but he was always asked questions by Larry, Larry King. And what he would say is, well, Larry, here's what the Bible says. And that's all you got to do. Be bold and courageous. I don't think anybody wants to really be a scaredy cat. I don't think anybody wants to be a... Uh, scared like a little child. I think most people, most people want to be bold and courageous. Now, if you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. You've got the guidance of God's Word. With the Word and with the Spirit, you can speak. You can speak truth because this world needs truth. Now, I want to encourage you today you take advantage of those opportunities. You be bold. You be courageous. When somebody needs to step up, you step up. When somebody needs to step out, you step out. When somebody needs to speak up, you speak up. And you do it for the kingdom. You do it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is coming back. He's coming back. And we need to be ready. People need to be ready. Now, I want to thank you for being with me today on the Marty McLean podcast. I hope you have a great week. And remember, speak up and speak out. Have a great week.